Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome in. It's been a long time. Long time no talk. This is episode 60 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. Oh man, college right now is pretty rough. It's been really throwing a wrench in my two show per week plan. The last couple of weeks I've only been un- been able to do one episode per week. Um, I've just got to find a way to to get stuff done and allow myself to some time to to do to do more work for this podcast and and for YouTube and for Twitter and stuff. But yeah, it's been pretty rough. And now I think I may have said this before. I'm the sales director for Orbit Media at Muskingum University, and and we're now kicking into starting to. I guess advertise for our event, our our big event of the biggest event of the year, WMCO weekend, where we just host events where we give back to the community. And so now we're really we're really starting to get into that, and so that's going to take up a lot of my time as well. Plus, along with just general schoolwork and exams and and everything like that, so it's been been kind of hectic, but still here. I'm not gone. Trying to be more consistent. And I guess I've got to do a better job of letting you know when I'm going to be on and when I'm not going to be on. But I'm here now. That's the most important thing on a Sunday. It's a little, so it's not a Friday, not a Saturday, but a Sunday. So maybe when this drops, you can listen to this to start off your week. And and that'll be a good start to the week. So Let's go ahead and jump in to everything that I've pretty much missed over the past week or so. Um, so in the NFL, Antonio Brown formally requests his trade out of Pittsburgh. I thought this was already I thought this had already happened several weeks ago when the Brown or when the when the Pittsburgh Steelers said they wanted to trade him. So I just figured oh the he has already I just figured that already happened, but now he's formally requested his trade. He is actually going to meet with the owner, Art Rooney. Um, But I don't think that's going to... I think it's all but over in Pittsburgh for Antonio Brown. I think they're going to trade him. They have to trade him. Because they were too talented a team last year to to not make the playoffs. They should have definitely been in. And part of the reason why I think they didn't get in is because of the dysfunctionality in their locker room, just how dysfunctional they were. The relationship between Big Ben and Antonio Brown wasn't a good one, um, and it kind of made everyone else suffer. And I think there's a lot of people at fault for why their season ended the way it did. Obviously, Big Ben for calling everyone out, Mike Tomlin for not shutting down this all these diva personalities and. And Antonio Brown for kind of, you know, letting this keep going and and kind of stirring the pot. But he's now formally requested his trade. Hasn't said where he wants to go. Officially, anyways. Um, unless he's kind of hinted at it in a cryptic tweet or something like that. Then who knows, but... He's supposed to meet with Art Rooney, the owner. I don't really expect 
that meeting to change anything as far as where Antonio Brown ends up to start next season. But yeah, I, we'll get into some predictions on where players will go in the offseason here in a little bit. Um, but he's formally requested his trade, and even though this meeting is going to happen, I don't think it's going to change anything. Um, really, the big news. Um, right now in the NFL over the last week or so, the Cleveland Browns signed former Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt. And if you don't remember, Kareem Hunt was let go from the Chiefs due to a domestic violence incident um, earlier in the year, or I guess last last year. And so the Browns, the Browns picked him up. Cremont's investigation isn't even done yet. The NFL hasn't finalized it. They haven't made a, de- a decision on that. It's kind of a, it's a questionable signing, regardless of which team signs him, because you're going to constantly have that ethical question hanging over your head. Was this the right thing to do, given the situation he's involved in? Are you kind of just throwing the incident to the side and you're just signing him based on talent? The one thing I'll say is Kareem Hunt was actually drafted by John Dorsey in Kansas City while he was there. And now that John Dorsey is the GM in in Cleveland, he's now picked up Kareem Hunt. He's picking up a guy he scouted. So he knows exactly how good he is. He was the league's leading rusher in his rookie season. So John Dorsey knows what he's doing. It's always going to be a questionable questionable signing when you as far as ethics are concerned when you have uh, a situation like this hanging over your head but even if but we don't know when this situation is going to be cleared up we don't know when the investigation is going to conclude and Kareem Hunt may not even play next season he may not play a single game and that could make it a wasteful signing by the Browns. Um, but it also could be just a stash for the future whenever he is off his suspension or or maybe next season when the whole thing clears up if it takes that long. I, I don't know, but you're always going to... It's just really a question of ethics. I personally wouldn't have signed him until after the the investigation cleared up because I don't want a distraction on my team. Like I don't want a distraction like that on my team. Like I don't care if, if Kareem hunt wasn't at fault. Maybe he acted in a, in a way that was uh, where he was defending himself because his, this woman was being very violent. We don't, we don't know the situation. And until we hear the conclusion of the investigation, we, We'll never know. But my thought process always is you should never be in that situation. So I I personally wouldn't have signed him unless I knew for sure that this this situation was cleared up and Kareem Hunt wasn't at fault. There's, There's no official charges, convictions, or anything like that. It's always an ethical question that you got to think about. 
and I'm not saying that makes John Dorsey a bad person. I'm not saying he's advocating domestic violence or anything or that he's just picking him up surely on talent and he doesn't care about the domestic violence. I'm not saying that at all because he could very well care and and we don't know. I'm not I'm not saying he has any disregard for that at all, but it can certainly appear that way regardless of who signs him just based on the situation. But it is going to be interesting to see you know how long Kareem Hunt's going to be suspended for. I would assume he's going to be suspended for some amount of time, whether it be four games, ten games, a whole season, whatever the case may be. And then if the Browns get him back this season or maybe even the following season, you know, having Kareem Hunt with Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, that offense is going to be a really good offense, but we'll see what happens when that investigation uh, officially ends. Also some big news. This is kind of in case you missed it. I doubt you did if you follow sports at all. Uh, Kyler Murray is now fully committed to becoming an NFL quarterback. He no longer wants to play baseball. And I really, this is up to him. Uh, we, we talked about this before where, you know, if you have the opportunity to go play baseball or to go play in the NFL or whatever sport it is, and you're going to make money in both, the money's going to be there in both. It really comes down to what what do you love? What do you want to do when you wake up in the morning? And what are you going to be dreaming about when you go to sleep at night? And whether that's playing football or or playing baseball, I think that's totally, totally up to Kyler Murray, what he wants to do there. And now he's picking football. And, and I'm, I'm happy that he's picking what he wants to do. Um, and a lot of people are going to say, oh, he should have stayed in baseball or he should have picked football to begin with or whatever. Like, do what you love. Do what you love. If I had the opportunity to play baseball or football, I'm picking what I want to do regardless of the money. I, like, what I want to do when I, I guess, grow up is be a radio show host, talk about this stuff on, on the radio and have my own show, hopefully big time one day on like ESPN radio or, or Fox sports radio or something. But I know that it's going to take, it's going to be a process. It's going to be, it's going to take a while for me to get up that, that high. I'm going to have to work at the local radio stations and make only, I don't know, whatever they make $30,000 a year, depending on the location. And depending on the station, like that's just what I'm going to have to do. And But I'm committed to that dream. And unless something drastically changes with, within the next three and a half years, as far as college goes, that's what I want to do. And nothing's going to deter me from that, regardless of what anybody says or what anybody tries to tell me. So I think Kyler Murray... You know, whether or not that's the right or wrong thing to do, that's up to him. If Kyler Murray wants to go play football, he should go play football. If he doesn't, then then he doesn't. But I think the best landing spots for him in the draft, I would say presumably he's going to be a first-round pick because he's a Heisman Trophy winner. 
So I wouldn't draft him in the first round personally. I think his size is an issue. I know players have overcame that that stereotype before. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees are great examples of quarterbacks who are six foot and under, undersized, but are have been extremely effective over their careers and are right now Hall of Famers. But at 5'8", like Russell Wilson's 5'10", 5'11", Drew Brees is 5'11", 6 foot. Kyler Murray's 5'8", 5'9". Yes, he's really fast. Yes, he can throw a pretty ball. But when you're that short and you've got 6'6", offensive linemen and defensive linemen sitting in front of you, it's going to be really tough to be great in the NFL. At that size. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm not saying he won't do it. But for that reason. I wouldn't take him in the first round. Unless I was in desperate need of a quarterback. And he was the last one on the board. I think Dwayne Haskins is the best quarterback in the draft. I think. You've got guys like Drew Locke out of Missouri. Um, You have that Daniel Jones guy out of Duke. He's got great size. He's got great measurables. But he reminds me of Paxton Lynch. Because I, I never heard of Paxton Lynch until the draft came around. And everyone everyone's like, oh, this guy's going to be a fantastic quarterback. He's amazing. And the guy doesn't even know how to read a practice squad defense. He is terrible at making reads. Plays for the Seahawks now as a backup. But this guy, that guy wasn't good. And this Daniel Jones guy, I've never heard of him all year. And then close to the end of the football season, his name pops up. And I'm like, who? Who's Daniel Jones? I don't know. I don't know who he is. He just smells like... Smells like Paxton Lynch to me. That's what that sounds like. That's what it sounds like, smells like, looks like. Paxton Lynch all over again. I would put Kyler Murray probably... Right below... Haskins and Drew Locke put him as the third best quarterback and depending on the draft order I don't know the draft order off the top of my head obviously but if we why don't we go to oh crap why don't we go to Google and we'll just look up the NFL draft order or maybe even a mock draft NFL mock draft 2019 CBS Sports two days ago let's see Kyler Murray okay so this is actually kind of surprising they have the Giants passing on on Dwayne Haskins. I think the Giants are going to take Dwayne Haskins. I think they have to. Unless the I know Eli Manning's coming back for one more season, but you're going to need a guy for the future unless they trade maybe for Nick Foles or Ryan Tannehill or Teddy Bridgewater or somebody. I think they got to go Haskins. Now they have Kyler Murray going to the Miami Dolphins in a trade. That would be interesting. 
So the Dolphins would make a lot of sense. The Redskins would also make sense because Alex Smith is going to be out um, for all of next season. The Titans could be one because I don't know how much I believe in Marcus Mariota. The Raiders, I think, is a possibility if they want to trade up. Because I don't, I'm not sure if John Gruden wants to keep Derek Carr or move on from him. The Chargers may want to take a backup quarterback and and build him up for the future. If I had to to make a prediction on Kyler Murray's draft position, I would say he's going to go likely after. Dwayne Haskins, I think he's going to be taken very high, although I I wouldn't put him that high. I think the Dolphins makes a lot of sense, and the Raiders. I think those two teams make the most sense in my eyes. Dolphins would have to trade up to get him, and the Raiders, the Raiders have the fourth pick in the draft. I don't think they're going to take him at number four. They would likely just sit back and wait because they have like three first-round picks. Two two from the Bears. Or actually, one from the Bears. One from the Cowboys and then their own. But those two teams make the most sense. Will it happen? I don't know. I think the Dolphins probably would be my prediction if I had to pick one. And then this was just last week. Uh, Joe Flacco was traded by the Ravens to the Denver Broncos for a mid-round pick, a mid-round draft pick. Obviously, this is great for Flacco because he's going to get to start. He's going to get to play some somewhere. I'm kind of surpri- surprised the Broncos did it because they have Case Keenum, and I like Case Keenum. I think he's a good quarterback. I just they just don't have a great roster, especially offensively. And actually, Joe Flacco's kind of actually decreased their championship odds. Um, The odds came out when they came out after the Super Bowl. I think the I think the Broncos had like a two hundred to one chance of winning the Super Bowl. Obviously, not great. And then when they got Joe Flacco, their odds dropped to 250 to 1 or something like that. Something crazy where it dropped a significant amount. That's that's saying something. That says a lot about John Elway's decision to go after Joe Flacco. I think Joe Flacco's a fine quarterback. I think he's decent. He's probably better than Case Keenum, but I don't know. John Elway is not great at the whole quarterback thing. I'm glad he went after an established quarterback, but to only give Case Keenum one one try, one season to, to make an impact when your team is not good, I think that's kind of unfair. We'll see how it goes. I don't think it's going to go very well for the Broncos with Joe Flacco. I don't think it's going to go well for the Broncos, period, regardless of who they draft. Uh, honestly, I think John Elway just, this might be a hot take, I don't know. I think John Elway needs to be fired because I just don't, 
he just hasn't been able to nail down this this quarterback situation. He had Tim Tebow. He won him a division title, and he moved off of him because pa- Peyton Manning came knocking on the door, and that was great for a couple couple seasons. And then after Peyton Manning left, he's not been able to do anything. He whiffed on Paxton Lynch. He's he whiffed on on Brock Osweiler. And he's not giving guys adequate opportunities to be able to make an impact. Needless to say, the Broncos are probably going to try and trade Keenum or cut him. I think Keenum is a, a very solid starter in this league. We'll see what happens with that. Um... But now this is where we're going to kind of transition into players who I think need a change of scenery for next season and and really the teams where I think they're going to go. And we have 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 13 players. So 13 players, 13 NFL players who need a change of scenery in the 2019-2020 NFL season. Um, first up, I'm going to go with Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert's been really injury-ridden over the last couple of seasons and really his whole career. Um, last season, he had a broken ankle, which just seems like a fluke injury. Those Those injuries are kind of fluky, but he has had back and shoulder and elbow issues. Very similar issues to what Rob Gronkowski has. Uh, The Bengals, all three of their tight ends, Tyler Croft, Tyler Eifert, and C.J. Uzama, they're all free agents this year, so the Bengals can't really afford to let all three of them walk out the door. My gut feeling is they're going to move off of Tyler Eifert and they're going to bring back Uzama and Croft. Tyler Eifert, I think, would be, given that he's healthy, a great fit with the Dallas Cowboys because they are in need of a tight end. Although it seems like they found one in Blake Jarwin. I don't know how viable he is for the future, although he's young. I think Tyler Eifert's more established, more dominant when he's healthy, and I think he can he can give Dak Prescott a very a really uh, good target, provide him with a good target more consistently at the tight end position. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, the backup quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to be a backup quarterback. And at age 30, I think he is. At age 30, I think he feels like he's got a lot left in the tank and a lot left to play for. Tyrod Taylor is going to want to go somewhere where he has an opportunity to start. There's a lot of teams that could potentially be looking for a quarterback. If I had to pick one where Tyrod's going to go to, I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Antonio Brown, this is kind of, I don't know, because not a lot of teams have really expressed interest in him besides the 49ers. So I'm going with the 49ers. Uh, It's yet to be seen what happens in that meeting with Art Rooney, whether or not that's going to change anything. I don't think it will. But he's pretty much just broke. He's burned down every bridge in Pittsburgh as far as him and the team and management goes. 
gut feeling is he's going to the San Francisco 49ers. They're going to package a deal together to get him. The only thing that might hold back the Pittsburgh Steelers on a deal like this is the cap space. Um, whether or not, because trading him, yes, you're, you're likely going to get draft compensation, but they're going to have to eat pretty much all of next year's salary, which is like $19 million or 17 or in that range. And they're going to have to eat most of that. Whereas they cut him, they can save a lot more money um, by the March deadline. It really depends on when they decide to move off of him and how they want to do it. And if not, they whether or not they they go by that deadline in March, as far as cap goes. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, I think, is a very interesting one. He's been the backup in Indy for several seasons, and he's really he's actually played really well. He was in New England for, before and won a couple games. I think he's a very viable viable option at quarterback. I think he can start in this league. How good he would be as a starter long term that's obviously yet to be seen but I think given the opportunity to start for an entire season and be the guy I think could be could pay huge dividends for him if I had to pick a team and I really don't know because I don't know what teams are interested in and whether or not they're going to draft or not I think the Redskins are going to be more hesitant on drafting a guy because they have Alex Smith and who knows, he may not even play ever again. But assuming he's, he's sitting out just this season and he comes back the following season, they're going to be likely looking for a one or two year replacement. I think Joby, Jacoby Brissett, Brissett, oh gosh, I can't talk. Jacoby Brissett would be a great option. And he kind of fits in with that system with his athleticism, the way he's able to move around in the pocket. And he can throw it a little bit. I think that would be a good option in in Washington. Blake Bortles. It's clear that the Jaguars want to move off of him after that decent season he had where they he led the team to the AFC Championship. Last season he was just atrocious. I don't know what team is going to want to take him. The only team that I think would actually be interested in taking Blake Bortles as far as competition goes would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a guy who can push Jameis Winston to be better. And I'm not saying Blake Bortles is going to make, like coach up Jameis and make him better because Jameis is far and away a better quarterback. But just having that competition and having Blake Bortles there to kind of threaten the, the starting job might push Jameis Winston to be a little bit better. And he might... He might actually feel insulted and want to work harder knowing that the Buccaneers thought so low as to bring in Blake Bortles. So that's my guess on Bortles is Tampa Bay. David Irving, the defensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, he's been... Number one, in injury. He's had some injury issues, and he's had severe issues with with drug suspensions, specifically performance enhancing drugs. He's been doing that on and off for the last couple of years, and it's cost him like two seasons of his career. Um, one team 
that I can see needing some help on the defensive front, especially a guy in the middle. Uh, the New York Giants, they need a defensive tackle. They're also up there in the the draft order for the upcoming draft. So if they want to maybe go after David Irving instead of drafting a player, then that would be a very good option as, as long as he can stay healthy and stay off the drugs. <laughs> uh, Cody Parkey, the kicker for the Bears, a great a, a great place for him to go would be anywhere that's not Chicago. <laughs> he is literally the most hated man in Chicago sports in this in the state of Illinois. And maybe the most hated player in the NFL as far as a fan's perspective. <laughs> I mean, because he makes that kick. The Eagles are out of the playoffs. They don't. They don't go to New Orleans. And and the Bears would actually would have played the Rams. And the Cowboys would have played the New Orleans Saints. So history could have been altered. We could have had a potentially a Cowboys-Bears NFC Championship or Cowboys-Rams or Saints-Rams, Saints-Bears, something like that. My prediction was Saints-Bears. Um, and if it just wasn't for that one kick, I know it was tipped, but you got to get it up over the line. I mean, you got to get it up over that guy. And that's your job. <laughs> And of course, it would hit the upright. That's what he did all year. He hit the upright four times in one game, which is crazy. It's un- I don't know how you can do that. Like something like that, you could never replicate. You know, twice. You can ne- you can only do that one time, without trying. And then as soon as you try to do it again, you'll never do it again if you try. It's unbelievable. But I think Cody Parkey. Anywhere, any team that needs a kicker and any team that's not the Chicago Bears would be a, would be fine. Although I don't know if any team wants to pick him up is the big question there. Tevin Coleman, backup running back for the Atlanta Falcons. Really, he's actually a, a viable starting running back. I think he's very good. And Devontae Freeman was out most of last season, and Tevin Coleman did a nice job. I think Tevin Coleman deserves a start at a he deserves a crack at a starting job somewhere, being the, the main lead back. I think a place for him to go, if they don't get Le'Veon Bell, I think the Jets would be a great fit for Tevin Coleman, assuming Assuming they don't get Le'Veon Bell. I really do like Tevin Coleman with the Jets. He's got great speed. He can catch out of the backfield. I really like him. And I liked him coming out of college as well because I do I do follow that. I'm not a scout, but I do like – I did like him coming out of college. I actually wanted the Cowboys to draft him once DeMarco Murray left. But now we have Ezekiel Elliott, so that's fine. But I think Tevin Coleman with the Jets would be a nice fit, assuming they don't go after Le'Veon Bell and get Le'Veon Bell. Teddy Bridgewater, he's backing up Drew Brees in New Orleans right now. I think he deserves a starting job. I think he's good enough to to be a starter. I thought he was going to be the starter in New York with the Jets this year and kind of have Sam Darnold sit behind him. 
I think the Jets would have won a lot more games, but they decided to move off of him. I think Teddy Bridgewater, anywhere that there's an opportunity to start, would be fine. Cam Newton is supposed it could potentially sit out the whole 2019 season. So I think Teddy Bridgewater with the Carolina Panthers would be a good fit system-wise because of Teddy's ability to move around and his mobility. And he can throw arguably better than Cam Newton can. So I think Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina with the Carolina Panthers would be a good fit. I think the Saints would have to orchestrate a trade though unless they cut him. So but him with the Panthers I think would be a good fit. Deshaun Jackson with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he said he wants to leave. He doesn't want to be there anymore, and I wouldn't want to either. But you got Bruce Arians coming in, so maybe you want to give that a shot. But I think Deshaun Jackson said he wants to go to the Los Angeles Rams. I'm not sure how well that would work because they already have Robert Woods. They've got Cooper Cup, who's going to be coming off of an ACL injury. They've got Josh Reynolds. They've got Brandon Cooks locked up for several years. I don't see a place for him in that offense. I don't really I don't really see a place for him there. So I think the most likely thing is a one-year reunion with the Philadelphia Eagles. And Golden Tate does not want to be in Philadelphia anymore. He wants to finish out his career with a contending team. I think it's most likely that Deshaun Jackson reunites with the Eagles and and becomes their their slot receiver again and their guy that can kind of take advantage of mismatches on the outside. Probably the biggest fish out there in free agency this offseason is Earl Thomas. He's coming off of a broken leg, but he, I think he'll be fine if you just give him some time to come back. He'll be the Earl Thomas of old. The one team that's being linked... So Earl Thomas is the Dallas Cowboys, and I think the Cowboys are going to get that done this offseason. I think it was smart. It wasn't smart at the time to not trade a second-round pick for Earl Thomas. But but now that they have Amari Cooper, their offense seems to be fine now, assuming that the offensive coordinator situation has worked out. You get Earl Thomas, you sure up the back end of the defense. You you put him next to Xavier Woods. <laughs> Good God, you probably have the the best hard hitting safeties in the league on the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I think that's the most likely scenario for Earl Thomas. Um, Nick Foles. I said that he should stay in Philly, and the Eagles should trade up, trade away Carson Wentz. Don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to move off of. Um, they're. I think they're going to move off of him. So, most likely, I think the I think the Giants would be most likely to go after him and go get Nick Foles and maybe sign him long term if they don't want to get Haskins or if they don't want to bring back Eli. I think that's the most likely scenario, and honestly. I saw this from Nick Wright month, probably months ago. I think it was. It was really after the after the season ended for the for the Eagles. Um, Nick Wright said 
Um, Nick Wright said that maybe you put Carson Wentz in a, in a trade offer and you package him with some draft picks and give him to the New York Giants for um, their first round pick and and then you get lots of other picks in return. I think that, I mean, who says no to Carson Wentz and uh, like a third rounder to the New York Giants for the sixth pick and multiple other future picks? Maybe two future first rounders, a second rounder, whatever you got to do. I mean, who says no to that? I don't think the Giants are saying no, and I don't think the Eagles are going to say no to that. But that would be really interesting. And then lastly, Case Keenum. We're going back to him. Obviously, he's not going to be in Denver anymore unless they want to keep him as a backup. I don't think he wants to be a backup anywhere. Again, the Giants, I think, would be a reasonable team to that would consider Case Keenum if they can't get Nick Foles. Or maybe if they don't draft Haskins, the Redskins would be reasonable. Um, trying to think of any other team that would need a quarterback. Uh, maybe the maybe the Dolphins would want to go after him if they don't want to keep Tannehill. Tannehill is another guy that could maybe use a change of scenery. I don't know where he would go, but it'll be interesting to see how the offseason shakes out. And I'm really excited for the draft for when that rolls around. We'll see how it goes. And then some really good news for Colin Kaepernick, if you're a Colin Kaepernick supporter, and Eric Reed, for that matter. They settled their collusion case against the NFL, so that's all over. And now... Eric Reed is already on an NFL team. He's with the Panthers. He signed a multi-year extension. But Colin Kaepernick yet to be on a team. And I'm going to propose this. The New England Patriots had a backup plan for Tom Brady. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. Bill Belichick wanted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo and he wanted to trade Tom Brady two years ago. But now that they don't have any any backup plan, their heir apparent to Tom Brady may not come through the draft. It may be in Colin Kaepernick. He may be that next starting quarterback for the New England Patriots once Tom Brady finally retires. And I don't think Tom Brady's going to make it to 45, although that's his goal. I don't think he's going to make it that far. I think next season is likely going to be Tom Brady's last. And it's not that I'm betting against Tom Brady. It's just that, you know, it's tough to play at such an advanced age like that. 42, 43, 44 years old. It gets tougher every year. He makes it look easy, but I'm not sure how long he can keep up that pace. And how long he'll be able to compete for Super Bowls. I think Colin Kaepernick is is an option that the... New England Patriots and Bill Belichick might consider. I think they might be the team to finally lift the cap off this off this bottle and 
and pick up Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> I think they might be the team to do it. Another team I heard was Miami, the Miami Dolphins that they were interested. I don't know how valid that is. But I really do think that the Patriots are going to strongly look at Colin Kaepernick. They're going to seriously consider him. We'll see. But that case is settled now. And he got what he wanted. And he still wants to play. Let's see if there's a team that will finally pull the trigger and and bring him in. Reportedly, the the Alliance of American Football League, the AAF, that new league that started up a couple weeks ago, um, they wanted to bring in Colin Kaepernick, and Colin Kaepernick wanted $20 million a year. Now, I do think Colin Kaepernick is a good quarterback. He made it to a Super Bowl. But $20 million is really steep, especially for like a developmental league for the NFL. It's a professional football league, but it's not the NFL. Um, it's players that are just not in the league. So that's really steep, especially for that league. But even in today's NFL, Colin Kaepernick's not getting $20 million. Um, granted, he would be a starting quarterback. I'm not paying him that much because he just hasn't played in a couple years. And I think, I think 12, 10 to 10 to 15 million is fine. If you're going to bring him in on maybe a one-year deal and he'll be your starter. And then you can evaluate him from there and decide what you want to do. But 20 million and up is very steep. Not sure if, if any team would even consider that. Maybe for one season maximum, but that's it. All right, so we're going to shift gears over to the NBA now. Um, so it's All-Star Weekend. We had a couple All-Star events over the last couple days. On Friday, we had the Rising Stars and Celebrity All-Star Game. And then we had, last night, the all the skills challenges. So the, I guess the skills challenge, the three-point contest, and the slam dunk contest. I uh, didn't really get a chance to watch any of them, but I did watch highlights. Um, Jason Tatum won the skills challenge. Yay, I suppose. And he actually said afterwards that the Celtics are going to win the finals this year. Jokes. They're not even top. They're not even number one seed in their conference. I don't even know if they're going to win their conference. I predicted them to, but the way they've been playing this year hasn't been good. I think they're a great team. I think they can win the East and win the finals, but I just don't think they will. I'm going to stick by the prediction, obviously, but I'm my confidence is just dwindling as the season goes on. Um, so he won the skills challenge. Uh, the three-point contest featured like guys like Buddy Heald, Steph Curry, Seth Curry. And Steph and Seth actually put a friendly, brotherly wager on this contest. Whoever lost, or I guess... Whoever was eliminated first, or maybe whoever whoever won the contest, I don't know exactly what it was, but basically the loser of the contest had to buy tickets for the entire Curry family to every game that Seth and Steph play against each other for the remainder of their careers. And 
Steph made it to the final round, which would mean Seth was eliminated first. So I would assume Seth lost that bet. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it's kind of cool that they did that. Um, and then you, and then you had a guy by the name of Joe Harris from the Brooklyn Nets who actually won the thing. He actually beat out Steph Curry in the final round. Beat out him and Buddy Hield in the final round. Scored 28 points uh, in in that championship round. Steph Curry actually hit 10 shots in a row to make like 26 or something. And then Joe Harris from the Brooklyn Nets. I don't even think anybody really knows who he is, but now they know that he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He wins the three-point contest. And then the dunk contest featured Dennis Smith Jr., I think Miles Bridges, um, and then the winner, Hamidou Diallo from the Oklahoma City Thunder. My prediction would have been Dennis Smith Jr. because he was in it last year and so he has some experience. But Hamidou Diallo was actually pretty good. He had a dunk. He dunked over Shaq, jumped over him. And when he jumped over him, he actually put his arm in the rim. Kind of like how VC Vince Carter did years ago, Blake Griffin. And fun fact, um, each NBA player who has attempted, done a dunk with their arm in the rim, all three of them have won the dunk contest. Vince Carter put his elbow in the rim, won the dunk contest. Blake Griffin did it, and he won. And now Hamidou Diallo did it, and he won the contest. Um, it was actually pretty pretty entertaining. It was better than last year's dunk contest, and it was better than better than years prior. The best dunk contest of all time, though, was definitely the one with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon going at it. That was the most entertaining thing. That I've ever seen in my life. I was jumping out of my chair after every dunk. Literally insane stuff. But Hamidou Diallo wins the dunk contest. And now he'll obviously be in it next year as the reigning champ. Assuming he accepts that opportunity. And then a lot of people are thinking that Zion Williamson can save the dunk contest. And actually make it fantastic. And I agree. Imagine Hamidou Diallo, Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, and and Zion Williamson in the dunk contest. That would be a dunk contest for the ages. Really, really excited for Zion to get drafted, and that would be really fun to watch. And then tonight, we have Team LeBron versus Team Giannis in the All-Star game. That's going to be... It's going to be a good one. I'll tune into it a little bit. I'm also watching the Alliance of American Football um, tonight as well. My team, the San Diego Fleet, is taking on the Atlanta Legends. That's the team my dad picked, so we're kind of going against each other tonight. So I'll be watching that, maybe flipping back and forth between that and the All-Star game. I predict Team LeBron to win because they're stacked. Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, James Harden, LeBron. 
all these dudes, man. He's got a great players on his squad. It's gonna be it's gonna be great to watch. I'm really, really excited. All right. So going into the All Star break, um, Russell Westbrook set a record with ten straight uh, ten straight triple doubles. And while that's all good and fun, you know that shouldn't be the headline of this team. Um, I've said for a while now that. Russell Westbrook may be the most outstanding player in the league, but he's certainly not the most valuable player in the league. I don't think he should have won the MVP the year he did. And, you know, he's certainly not the best player on his team anymore. But he sets a record with 10 consecutive triple-doubles, and it's really overshadowing what the what the headline should be. That Paul George is the cornerstone of the Oklahoma City Thunder now. He is the best player on the team. He's been lights out shooting, scoring. He's the MVP of the Thunder, and right now he might be the MVP of the league. Paul George has had an outstanding season. And maybe he did make the right choice staying with the Oklahoma City Thunder and not going to the Lakers. But the reason why we're not talking about Paul George being the best player on his team and maybe even the MVP of the league is because we're all starstruck by this triple-double. You know, 10 10 consecutive triple-doubles for Russell Westbrook is nothing. Russell Westbrook, it's been proven that he just passes stats. (laughs) He literally doesn't play defense. He just hangs around and gets freebie rebounds. He just hangs around the rim all the time. Doesn't play defense. And he, on offense, you know, people have said that his assists are kind of just junk assists as well. They He doesn't move the ball around. He just waits for someone to get open. And he just runs pick and roll all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, that's something you would do in NBA 2K. Like, you're my career player. You would just run pick and roll all the time, get those assists. And hang around near the rim to get the rebounds all the time. Because that's kind of what I do in 2K. I guess I'm playing exactly like Russell Westbrook plays in real life. But that shouldn't be the headline. Russell Westbrook is shooting 65% from the free throw line. He's shooting like terrible from three. And he's not a great mid-range shooter anymore. He just he, The story now with Russell Westbrook is he's a guard who can't shoot in a league where everybody needs to be able to shoot. Like if you're six, seven and under, you need to be able to shoot the ball. You you need to be able to shoot the ball. But if you're a big man, power forward and center, you know, you're six, seven, six, eight and, and taller. It's, you don't really need to be able to shoot as well as the guards. You don't have to, you may need to stretch it out a little bit from mid range, but you don't need to be able to hit threes. Russell Westbrook is, you know, like 6'3", and he can't shoot. He's a guard who can't shoot. That's the story with Russell Westbrook. Not that he's an amazing, amazing player. He's a good player, but this triple-double 
thing is just way too overhyped. And it's not that important anymore. It's not. Like it's just all glamour. There's no real substance to it. It doesn't provide any value. Paul George is literally out there scoring 30, 40 plus points on almost a nightly basis to be able to win games for this team. He is the MVP of the Thunder and he is maybe the MVP of the league behind Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then lastly, to close out the show, going into the All-Star break, the Los Angeles Lakers are like 27 and 28 on the season. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I really don't know. Maybe the All-Star break is something they need to be able to to help them refocus and and get back on track, kind of de-stress a little bit, unwind. But right now this team is in a bad way. These trade talks really hurt them. And I don't know if they're going to be able to right the ship because this is the team LeBron wanted to trade and now he's stuck with them for the rest of the season. And I'm not sure if I'm not sure if LeBron is going to be able to carry this team to the playoffs. And I know that sounds crazy to say and I probably shouldn't bet against LeBron like that. But if this team fails to make the playoffs, granted LeBron sat out 18 games, but if he if this team fails to make the playoffs, I don't think LeBron's the best player in the world anymore. I honestly might give that nod to Giannis Antetokounmpo or maybe Steph Curry. And I'm being legit serious about that. Like you can't this this squad is a better squad than than was in Cleveland last year. Granted you're playing in the East, but you should still be able to make the playoffs. Is at least an eight seed, and right now they're tenth behind Sacramento. They're behind the Sacramento Kings, who are far less talented. I think really it's inexcusable for this team to not make the playoffs. Granted, LeBron sat out for eighteen games. I don't know. Maybe this is what they need. Maybe this this All Star break is going to be good for him, and it'll do him some good. And allow him to refocus and LeBron can make that final charge to the playoffs. Because if they don't make the playoffs, I don't think he's going to be able to entice a free agent. Like if he can't win with the squad he has around him and those young core pieces, then I don't think a team is going to, I don't think a player is going to want to come there and sacrifice four years of their career playing with LeBron James when he can't even lead a team that was better than the squad he had last year to the playoffs, let alone the finals. Maybe this this All-Star break will do him some good. We'll see. But tonight, All-Star game, I got Team LeBron over Team Giannis. Make sure you tune in and we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Ameri- the Alliance of American Football is tonight as well. Check that out. That's actually got some good players in it. I think that's going to be a viable league. And the XFL, Vince McMahon's Extreme Football League, is coming back next year as well. So we're going to have a lot of football all the time, all year long. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. Follow me on there as well. Share this episode with your friends, parents, enemies, coworkers. Um, 
just everybody you know. And be sure to tune in to WMCO 90.7 if you live in the New Concord listening area like Cambridge, Byesville, Zanesville, Coshocton, kind of in that Ohio area. Or online at orbitmediaonline.com. Mondays 8 to 10, where the first half an hour, 8 to 8.30, I interview members of the Muskingum Fighting Muskies men's basketball team. Kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at their season, what how they're feeling. Get to ask them some fun questions as well. And then from 8.30 to 10 o'clock, it's all me. We play some new music, some artists you've never heard. Get them some great exposure. And then you'll get to hear me uh, really twice throughout the next of the, uh, the rest of that hour and a half. Um, talk about some things in sports. Obviously, I'm going to do your news and stuff for the new Concord listening area and stuff like that weather, but make sure you tune in at least for the sports stuff. That'll be at 8.40 and at 9.40, Mondays 8 to 10, The Will Ford Show on WMCO 90.7. But but yeah, that's it for me. We'll see you soon for episode 61. It's WFS.